ask you to please take your copies of God's Word in hand. Turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 106. We will not read the whole psalm, it is quite large, but I do want us to focus uh, this evening on the last two verses of our text. This is Psalm 106, verses 47 and 48. Hear now the word of God. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. This ends a reading of God's holy, inerrant, and inspired word. May he write its eternal truths upon all of our hearts. Psalm 106 is what is commonly referred to as a historical psalm. Uh, It's not historical just because it takes place in the past, but because it recounts what has happened in the past. In fact, I would much rather refer to this, rather than a historical psalm, to refer to it as being a psalm of remembrance. And so if you just flip back a couple of pages, you can kind of see how this goes. It begins with a call of praise, a call of worship, and then you see there in verse 4 the words, Remember me, O Lord. And in him asking God to remember him, the psalmist, he is also going to call himself to remember the wonderful deeds of God. And if you just kind of peruse through this a little bit, you'll see him bringing to his mind God's mighty works of salvation in both the Exodus and in the book of Judges. You see God's mighty works, you see his salvation. But you also see what caused God to need to give them salvation. And it wasn't injustice. It was the sins of the people. Brutal and horrible sins. If you uh, flip over to me real quick to verses 34 through 37, we have the account here of exactly why God gives the command in the book of Joshua to go through and to wipe out the Canaanites. We, in our modern sensibilities, hear a command like that, and we're like, well, that just sounds absolutely terrible. Well, apparently, the Israelites in Joshua didn't like it either. And so at the end of the book of Joshua, they are living among the Canaanites. Well, here in Psalm Psalm 106, verses uh, 34 through 38, we see exactly what has happened because of this. It says, they did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds." This is brutal, strong language that the psalmist is is using here against his own people. These are not light, polite sins that their forefathers had, had done. These were grievous sins, both in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the psalmist. 
But when we get to verses 47 and 48, we see the reason that he is looking back at both the sins of the past and God's salvation of the past. And it is this, that God is faithful to forgive even the most wicked among us. Paul refers to himself as being the chief of sinners and thereby being the chief recipient of the grace of God. I've mentioned this in sermons before, that no one in this room has ever out been, is, not, is not capable of out the coverage of the blood of Jesus Christ poured out on our behalf up on the cross. We simply cannot do it. It is totally sufficient for all that is required of us for this life and in the life to come. And it has been the case, as I reflect back on this, to kind of do what the psalmist is doing here. To look back and to remember, particularly when it comes to times of, of the holiday season. Thanksgiving, Christmas, I've become, I've become very nostalgic. Just uh, My mom was just here this past weekend. Uh, we got out some old uh, photo albums and we're looking back at pictures of me when I was a child, my parents, things that I don't even remember, but I look at them like, how, how happy were those days? Uh, just as I was sitting in my office just a little while ago, I have a little uh, digital frame that just kind of cycles through pictures that my wife will send to it, and I'll, I'll send to it myself. And most, 99% of the pictures are really over the past five years. My wife and I, we just celebrated our fifth anniversary. A lot has happened in those five years. I have moved twice. I've added two children. I've been, I've been married. We've gone on trips. And I, I'm looking at those pictures and I'm thinking, I truly am a blessed man. I have a lot to be thankful for. I, have, I, I sent a letter. It was in our bulletin this morning about how thankful I am for Salem Presbyterian Church, your support of me and my wife and my family. Um, I told David McDaniel before, I said, I already knew that I was in a great place when I came here. But then when I started writing that letter, I was like, dang, I'm in a really great place. <laughs> I have so much to be thankful for. But what have I returned? The, what, what have I done to return the goodness of God? I have a lot to be thankful for. But I am rarely grateful. And I am never, ever as grateful as I should be. I have returned the, the goodness of God with my own sin, my own trespasses, and my own ingratitude. But here's what I must remember myself. When I ask God for mercy, I am not asking him for too much. I don't know if you're like me. I, have, I mean, I ask God for forgiveness all the time. But how do you ask forgiveness for not being thankful enough and not being thankful often enough? And oftentimes I will still carry that weight of that shame with me. But when we go to Christ Jesus for mercy, we cannot possibly ask him for too much. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 32. He says, God has consigned all to disobedience so that he might be merciful to all. Do you know how astonishing that statement is? God has consigned, imprisoned, 
everyone under disobedience so that he might be gracious to them, so that he might be merciful to them. All that you have is a gift of God's mercy, both in the past, in the present, and also as we look forward. I like how John Calvin puts this. He says, when we plan out our days, we should, we should, we need to expect that it will only be by the means of God's grace that we will be able to carry them out. Therefore, the life of the Christian is one lived in eternal gratitude to God. That is our life. Thanksgiving is not a day that the Christian celebrates. It is our life subsumed in a day where we come together in fellowship with one thing and one thing only on our minds. Our gratitude for God for the rich mercies that he has shown to us. Our God is not a God who withholds mercy, but he is a God who abounds in mercy and steadfast love. But we pray for the mercy of forgiveness of sins so that we might be saved from our sins. And this is something that the psalmist brings up here. He says, save us, Lord our God. There's a difference between being forgiven of your sins and being saved from your sins. The idea of being saved is the idea of freedom. You have been freed from your bondage into sin. Christ Jesus, it was not enough for him to come and just merely pass over your sins, merely forgive you. He came that sin's grip might be destroyed and that you might be set free from those sins and enabled more and more and more to live unto righteousness. How do you know if a prisoner has been set free? It's pretty obvious. He is free. He is not in bondage. He has life. It is the one who has been forgiven and freed from sin who is eternally grateful. And so how do we break out of this life lived of ingratitude for God is to understand this. God put us here for one thing, that he might be merciful to us all. And the end of that the goal of our life is to live a life of absolute and utter gratitude. As the psalmist says once again, save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us from among the nations so that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. That's, what, that's our lives. That's our Sundays. Those are our Thanksgivings. That is why we are here. So let us give thanks to God, for he is a God rich in mercy and abounding in steadfast love for his children. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we do have so much to be thankful for. For those who you foreknew, you also predestined to be conformed to the image of your Son. And those who you predestined, you also effectually called to yourself. Those who you called, you also justified. Those who you justified, you also will glorify. Father, we have received all of the blessings in the heavenly places. 
We have received forgiveness and we have received right here, right now, as we still struggle against our sins and ingratitude, we still possess the presence of the holy, holy, holy God and creator of the heavens and the earth and all that fills them. Father, we are your inheritors and you possess everything. And so, Father, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our ingratitude. And Father, place a spirit in our heart within us that is always eager, looking forward to, looking for ways and times in which we might return thanks to you through our praise and through our lives. Father, would you do this for your people this evening? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.